0: Everyone can and should do research for the words of the digital interface, not necessarily the UX writers. The research people should be mindful for that. The designers, the product managers, at the end of the day, it's the way your product is communicated and it's part of the design.
1: This is Aaron May.
2: I'm John Henry Forster, and this is Awkward. Silence. Silence.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Awkward Silences. Today, we're here with Yuval Keshtehir, the founder of the UX Writing Hub at uxwritinghub.com, which is one of the largest UX writing schools. And today, fittingly, we're going to be talking about UX writing and UX research for UX writing. So Yuval, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Erin and J.H. I'm very excited to be here, to be honest.
1: Got JH here too.
2: Yeah, I'm a little under the weather, so hopefully I'm not uh, dumber than usual. But I'll do my best. I'm excited to learn about this topic.
1: Yeah, it's always, talking about writing is always fun. <laughs> it's like what's the old Steve Steve Martin joke? It's uh, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. So we'll talk about <laughs> writing today. That'll be fun. let do it. Talk cool. talk about researching about writing. So you've on that note. UX writing and content design. I know, you know, so I've been here at user interviews a little over four years and, you know, the industry has changed quite a lot actually in, in four years. And one of those changes or something I've observed is maybe four or five years ago, UX writing was something I'd certainly, you know, heard of and was a thing, but not everyone had it. And it seems like people are now talking more about content design are are they the same thing are they different things are they just different terms for the same thing what ux writing and content design what's up with those terms
0: such a great question all right so first of all ux writing it's a new discipline like relatively new discipline uh, in um, the event of google io 2017 uh, google brought on stage free ux writers and since then since 2017 it feels like there is way more attention to product writing in general like many Product teams look up for Google, they saw the practice, they saw the, the, the writers on stage talk about how to write clear, concise and useful copy, and everybody became way more mindful to product copy. Now, back mm-hmm. then UX writing wasn't a big deal, and many companies that had product writers called them content strategists, companies like Facebook, Shopify, Uber, mm-hmm. that practice was called content strategy, uh, which was like arguably not the best title for a product writer because Mm -hmm. there is a lot of overlap between like seo writing and content marketing and so on and in the past year or so those companies like facebook shopify uber and more companies decided to change the term to content design and we see we've seen some kind of a transition lately but we still have companies that call it ux writing i feel like uh, based on our salary survey we can see that ux writing is currently a bit more common outside of the U.S. And about your questions, so based on the research that our team was doing in the past, we, we've published it six months ago, <clears throat> and we it took us six months to do it, but basically we've analyzed a lot of job posts all over the web and compared between content design and UX writing and what people and what companies are actually looking for. And our conclusion that both of them and are more or less the same thing, which is product writing, which is all about communicating your digital product in a better way. So we have some kind of a discussion about what the title should be like in UX design, you have UX design, UI design, product design, and so on. So in UX writing, we have UX writing and content design, which based on our conclusion, so it's our take and we can talk about it, but based on our take, it's more or less the same thing.
2: Okay, cool. So there's a lot of similarities, but some nuance emerging, it sounds like, or some shifts in how people define and think about it. Is it fair to say that just in general, those, like, that collective sort of title is becoming more common and, and exists in more teams? I, I know I've heard about it over the years, but I feel like lately I've seen it more and more. And so I'm just curious what your perspective on if it's becoming more of a common thing in teams.
0: Yeah, definitely. So it's really common right now that like, a lot of companies hiring right now product writers, Uh, UX writers that's how I called it from from for now on for the listeners Mm -hmm. and so way more companies hiring right now UX writers and usually the ratio is something around like we have a salary survey that back it up but usually it's around one writer to two designers or one writer to three designers something like that industries that hiring more UX writers lately than others is Fintech, by far way more uh, fintech companies, but also edtech, like education companies, uh, and so on. That's interesting. Is that because
1: these are hard to understand products or would be without good words? Fintech, edtech, maybe health tech always jumps to mind as well when you think about, you know, potentially hard to understand.
0: So I currently, let me open the data in front of me. Definitely because fintech products might be a bit more complicated. So we need to explain them all. So like 20% of the people that answered are in fintech, uh, 12% are in um, e uh, As you said, uh, 7% are in healthcare and the rest are like scattered uh, around different uh, industries.
1: And do these folks with these jobs, I know I asked about the difference between UX writing and content design. You said, I'll do you better. There's more titles. There's, you know, there's the product writers and I've heard like microcopy, you know, lots of terms for a similar kind of jobs. Do these folks generally sit on product teams or design teams or where do they tend to sit in in orgs? Oh,
0: so that's a great question. So in an ideal environment, uh, those writers will sit under product teams or design teams. In less ideal world, we can see them also under marketing, like uh, under the title UX copywriter, for example. But a lot of times, we hear in our community have very big uh, community at the UX Writing Hub and, and like a Facebook group and a, a newsletter and so on. But many people say that there is such a huge burnout when the company don't understand well. Uh, the idea that they need to have UX writers. So they hire one writer to do like mm, marketing mm-hmm. and, and, and product and so on. We've seen it like five, six years ago. It was very common for UX designers to do like marketing graphic design, but also like the website and also the product. And now it's less common. Now we can see way more UX designers I- inside of product teams without doing marketing.
1: Yeah, and you hit on something... I hear that all the time, like, oh, if you can write this thing, you can write that other thing, which could not be more far from the truth. I mean, so I'm, I'm glad it feels like it, the market's catching up to where maybe designers have been, right? Where it's like UX designers, visual designers, brand designers, these are not all the same thing, right? And same with writing, you're starting to see now too.
0: Definitely. But I must say, the fact that you can do both, the fact that you can do marketing and also product writing doesn't mean that you necessarily need to do marketing writing because you know sometimes writing digital product or designing a digital product have like interesting complexities that you just want to do and you don't want to do like blog posts and stuff or you don't want to do like one-pagers you just want to do the product writing and because that's what you're doing really well and that's your expertise so I recommend that people that are really great at product writing should do that
1: yeah absolutely
2: yeah. So on that, like, how do you be a great product writer? It's, it seems like obviously there's a specialization there and it's a you know unique type of writing and a unique skill set. What are some of the ways that people do that really well?
0: So also a great question. And basically, in order to be a great product writer, you need to be, first of all, a, a good writer. But you need to understand product design and you need to understand how digital products work and user journeys. And most importantly, you need to master user research. Let me explain.
1: I was going to say, what a great segue. Let's talk about research.
0: Definitely. But let me explain the work is the prior research before the writing. Why is that? Because let's say that we're working right now on a digital product. Okay, so... We've building a very uh, specific feature for a very specific product. Like we work at like, um, I don't know, like we work at uh, McDonald's and we're doing like the kiosk of McDonald's. So in order to create a really good digital experience in that kiosk, we need to do a lot of research, a lot of behavioral research about how people use those kiosks, what time of the day they're coming, but also if we're talking about writing, so we need to know how these kind of people communicate with the, the kiosk and maybe we want to say good morning to them if it's morning, um, or maybe we don't want necessarily to greet them with a greeting because it might uh, feel too much, but we don't know that yet we need to do some research to understand exactly how people like to be communicated in that specific context. And in order to learn that, we must do research.
2: And is that type of research that you're describing and those skill sets, is that something where people who are not dedicated product writers can still you know, benefit from some of that stuff? I'm just thinking about, you know, we talked about the way that design has a lot of specializations. You know ux ui etc a lot of smaller teams designers are asked to be generalist and you know do the wireframes and the high fidelity stuff and i'd imagine that's probably true on some other smaller teams where they don't have a dedicated you know ux writer or product writer is is some of the stuff you're describing is that applicable to people who are filling in that gap and and can get benefit from that i'm wondering uh, for people who are not dedicated product writers Mm -hmm. can they kind of leverage those things too if if they're kind of being asked to be a generalist and, and they're doing some writing in their role even though it's not their specialization
0: Definitely, there are different methodologies that um, can help us to understand how we should communicate with our users. As I said, 90% of the work is not about writing. Um, For example, um, there is this um, methodology that we've coined that the name of that methodology is conversation mining. And that method is all about analyzing the way your users talk to each other online in order to understand how we could communicate in a better way with them in a digital product. Let me give you an example. So let's say that we're building an app for brides and and, and they have a very specific uh, lingo for very specific terms that I currently don't know because obviously I'm not a bride. So. <laughs> I will go to a Facebook group, for example, of brides or maybe a, a review section of a very popular product among brides. And I will do some research on that pieces of content and it will help me to understand many things. First of all, like on the most shallow level, it will help me to understand how, what kind of uh, terms they used to talk about when talking about stuff that is related to the wedding, like... Uh, Like, if they're talking about photographers, so are they saying, like, uh, are we going to book a photographer? Are we going to uh, make an appointment with this photographer? So that specific terminology is very important because we could communicate it in an app afterwards. And if we will find a term that is very common around prides, in this specific example, we would probably would like to communicate it in the digital experience. But that's on the shallow level. On on a more deeper level, we could analyze the online conversations of our users and understand in a, in a better way their pain points and their struggles and their goals. And maybe maybe if like the photographer doesn't show up in the last moment, that's like a very big fear that they have. And maybe I can communicate something in my product that will reduce that concern. So we can learn a lot just from analyzing conversations of our users. And that specific methodology is named conversation mining. And you don't necessarily need to be a writer to do that. There are a f- few more methodologies, research methodologies I can talk about that uh, can help you to write your product in a better way. Also, if you're not necessarily a UX writer.
1: Great. Yeah, I think well, let's dig into some more methodologies.
0: Cool. So uh, those methodologies are really common in general in user research so doing user interviews but very specific to the conversation so understanding exactly the same things that you've learned in the conversation mining example only like asking your users about it see how the users uh, create conversation and then to do that conversation also um inside of the digital product. Whenever you write something, I recommend to talk to your colleague and ask their opinion also. And this is considered to be some kind of a testing, but like asking, this, is this word clear? Does it make sense? Then you could, bo- you could do like more testing and bring users and then maybe print the user, the UI, and uh, give the users the option to tell you what was clear and what wasn't clear. And yeah, that's about that. I also really recommend to do competitor analysis. So for example, if we're building right now, let's go to the same example as before. But if we're building this app for brides, I will do some research and I will see other companies and other apps and I will see how they choose to communicate their um apps and i will learn what was bad about it what was good about it this is something that is very common also in ux design like analyzing different design patterns so i recommend also to analyze different content patterns as well Hmm. and not necessarily of the same app let's say that you have a task right now which is to write error messages for your product and you work in fintech so you have this like bank notifications to write right now uh, so, I wouldn't necessarily check in my direct competitors. I wouldn't necessarily check in other banking apps, but I would just in general do some massive research about notifications in general, what works well, what doesn't work that well, and then see how I can bring the same notion of communications to my notifications.
1: How do you know what works well when you say, is like, how you react? to it, do you like it or not? Like, you know, clearly you're not having access to the analytics of your competitors when you say, what works well, what are you you looking for when you're looking at direct or indirect competitors?
0: That's a very good question. Because what I like to do on a personal level is to build some kind of a mood board where Mm -hmm. I just like Mm -hmm. throw like some kind of a mirror board or a fig gem board and just then find a lot of notifications, put it over there. And then more or less based on gut feeling I kind of uh, filter them to what doesn't look that what doesn't work that well for me on a personal mm-hmm. level what mm-hmm. does work well this is also part of like my design process so that's a good question and and then you put it to the test it doesn't necessarily like if you come up with some an idea that you think is good doesn't necessarily mean that it will be good but then it's like a good starting point to to right, test it if right. you think it's going mm-hmm. to be good and Notification specifically is something that is relatively easy to test. So you can come up with, I like to come up with a few versions, a uh, few kind of directions. And then based on that, uh, see whatever works better.
1: Random, just a quick aside, emojis as UX writing, as product copy, micro copy, thumbs up, thumbs down, dead emoji, eye roll. What are your thoughts? How many emojis should we be using in our UX copy?
0: Uh, that's a really good question and it depends on the voice and tone of your product like let's say that we have a banking app and we write a notification and we have to tell that person that they have maybe some kind of an overdraft and they owe money so we wouldn't like to put (laughs) no lol emoji emoji. yeah yeah
1: Yeah. no No, lol for sure but like yeah
0: like maybe a good writer someone that might be a good writer might think okay let's put in a sad emoji because it's a sad situation right Right. but i wouldn't agree that we need to put a sad emoji for example over there because it feels maybe a bit like detached or a bit cynical yeah exactly maybe i would put over there like a red warning emoji so i don't know but that's a very specific example but it really depends on the voice and tone of the product on a personal note i love emojis I think it's a really cool way to communicate with your, with your users. I think it's like, um, I think that since we had like cave wall paintings, we didn't have that type of communication and now we have it at scale. Like we can literally bring an emotion to another person or tell them how we feel based on a picture that we send. And I think it's a very cool way to communicate.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of cool aspects of them. They do feel like modern hieroglyphics of some sort. The thing I was going to kind of probe on a little bit is when you talk about some of these techniques that you can do within research to get better at writing, you know, conversation mining and some of the other ones you mentioned, are those things that need to be standalone, like research projects? Like we're going to go out and do some conversation mining specifically to inform our writing, or can you kind of piggyback or combine them with other research you might be doing? So if you're doing some generative conversations you know making sure you ask a question so you kind of prompt people to talk in, in the language they might use so you can kind of pick it out. Is it like how do you see teams typically do it? Is it like it's standalone or is it part of other research that they're doing already?
0: so it it really depends on the the team a, a lot of times we have research people in our team in bigger companies, and then then you have someone that can help you to do that research. a lot of times if you don't have Research people in your team, maybe you need to do it by yourself. What I like to do is to have some kind of a research plan, to lay out some kind of an outline about my research plan and to understand exactly how we're going to do that, to have a deadline and everything, and, and then to do that. Of course, that if we're already doing user interviews, we can, as you said, like piggyback and, and do the conversation and language-related stuff at the same time. Okay, so we could definitely combine or do them by itself. A lot of time, like the writer just need to kind of figure out some stuff while they do their work, so they could do like some conversation mining and competitor analysis, and they don't have to be rely on anyone, anybody else, and they can maybe do it really quick. If they're really efficient in their flow, maybe they're using some kind of a template already that they have. I like to use, um, I've created an Airtable template that I really like, so... I always jump to my Airtable templates and then I could do it really efficiently and quickly without being dependent on anyone else. And then I could do it fast. But a lot of time you need to like book user interviews and, and maybe send a survey and so on. And that might take more time. And maybe if you have research person in your team, you will have to kind of talk to them and do it together with them. So every project have have different kind of kind of research going on, and I must say that based on my experience, a lot of time you understand the scope of the research only when you start writing. So mm-hmm. you you like you have a brief, you have a feeling about what you're going to do research about, and then when you get going, when you're just getting started. You understand that maybe you need to have different angle in that competitor analysis, or maybe your persona is not necessarily exactly who you thought it will be, and then yeah. it changes you as you go.
1: Yeah, I think that's where that just-in-time kind of fast, agile research can be really helpful, too, because you're talking about, right, like 90% of writing is research, which by the way, I think is true for all writing. And maybe you're getting, I don't, you know, I'm sure different organizations of different sizes, different teams within the same organization have very different workflows in terms of how this UX writing gets done or requested. But I'm just imagining a scenario of, hey UX writer, we need this copy for this thing, like, you know, in a couple hours or, you know, whatever. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, how am I gonna get the context, the insight I need to do this well with the time I have, which is of course, maybe its own problem in itself. But if this is the time we have, what's the minimum viable research we can get done? And this is where some of these methods feel like you could do a little bit of conversation mining pretty quickly, right? Or maybe you have a day instead of a couple hours, you could use a tool like, I don't know, user interviews and hop on and, and talk to somebody like same day and get a little bit of information. So even if you didn't have a thorough, well-planned out research plan weeks in advance of writing whatever the UX copy is, there might still be time to do a little bit of research to make that writing all that much better.
0: Mm -hmm. And so first of all, jumping on um, uh, user interviews, I think that could be a really cool solution. If you just got a task and you have a few hours to do it and Sometimes, you know, like people ask you, hey, just take a few minutes, you need to make this copy a bit nicer. Uh, and then like you ask some questions and you figure out and you understand that like there is so many content design problems lays under right. this specific <laughs> right. solution. Right. So my solution in that case, first of all, I would say that if you are a UX writer The one thing if there is one thing that you need to be is a great communicator you need to communicate really well your digital products and your business basically with your users but also you need to be a really great communicator with your team and you need to feel uh, comfortable to get a task and then ask a lot of follow-up questions before start writing so you can actually interview the designers and interview the stakeholders and, and also maybe ask if there is maybe some previous research that you can see, or maybe you can see like older iterations and see how they came up with this specific solution. And and that that will be your research, basically.
2: All right. A quick, awkward interruption here. It's fun to talk about user research, but you know what's really fun is doing user research. And we want to help you with that.
1: We want to help you so much that we have created a special place. It's called userinterviews.com slash awkward for you to get your first three participants free.
2: We all know we should be talking to users more. So we went ahead and removed as many barriers as possible. It's going to be easy. It's going to be quick. You're going to love it. So get over there and check it out.
1: And then when you're done with that, go on over to your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review, please.
2: Yeah, uh, this is a bit of a random thought, but something I think about a lot with product and design is, you know, how quickly you can move or how much risk you're willing to take on depends a lot on whether or not it's like a two way door type of decision. Like if we do this and decide it's wrong, it's easy to change or it's not. I'm curious how that maybe does or does not apply to, you know, product writing where I'd imagine there's certain terminology or certain phrases or language that you introduce into parts of an experience that users become familiar with. So then if you need to change it because you realized it wasn't optimal, maybe that's kind of hard to do that change because you got to let people know that, you know, this thing is now called something else. Like, does that come up or is that, I'm just curious how that fits in and if it's a part of the consideration of, you know, this will be easy to change. So let's just put something in here now and we can do more research versus like, we're putting, you know, language into the navigation or on the homepage that people are really going to get familiar with. And so we should be really careful to get it right.
0: And so ideally... Uh, the process would be the the later, but most of the time, you know, the the writing is not even made by the writer. A lot of time the UX writing is the afterthought. After you have a lot of like legacy content and code and stuff that's, you know, a developer wrote it like 15 years ago or 10 years ago or two years ago. And it's just there because nobody just asked why it's there. And now it's time to come and like ask the tough questions. But when you have a UX writer on board, definitely the optimal thing would be to ask, wait, is it clear right now? For example, we just had a discussion in, in another project I had for a ski companies, like a company that's helped you to book your ski trips with your friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a really interesting discussion going on around like, should we use the word holiday or trip? Okay. And it was like, a long discussion, and we had to do a lot of research in order to understand it, because there there were so many components that impacted that specific word, like what country you're at, mm-hmm. like in the u a in the u k one was more common than the other. We, we had to understand like what would work eventually, so we we needed to do some research around that, and definitely conversation mining helped us over there uh, and so on.
1: Where did you end up? Is it a holiday or a trip? Or was it a vacation? What was it? It's a trip. It's a trip. trip. Yeah. It's a trip. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, or even though in the UK, it was way more common that they used holiday, but yeah, yeah. it was an interesting uh, discussion overall.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the internationalization. So, okay. So in again, you know, all of this is going to vary by org, but certainly some orgs don't have any UX writers or content designers or any of those things which go by different names. Many orgs probably have them and not enough, right? Yeah. So you are a product designer or a product manager or... An engineer, as you alluded to, happens all the time. Engineers write actually a lot of user-facing language in, in many scenarios. Okay, so you have you find yourself in a situation where you're writing user-facing copy in the product, and that's not your day job. What are some tips or ways, you know, principles, heuristics, rules of thumb, best practices to get <laughs> folks started on the right foot when they find themselves in that situation of needing to do that work?
0: Mm-hmm. So that's a really good question. And what I would recommend is, first of all, if you have some UX writer on board or maybe someone that could be in charge of that, a very good tip would be to build some kind of a content design system. So mm-hmm. some kind of, just like you have a design system, so to have some do's and don'ts that's related to a digital product. So a developer could pick it up and then they wouldn't have to ask anyone's question. They they know that if they write a message, they there is a checklist that they need to follow and, and that makes life a bit easier. Yeah. You might ask yourself, wait, but who will be in charge of that checklist? So ideally a UX writer will be in charge of that. But if you don't have one, I would recommend that the product manager or the designer should find some consistencies in in the writing and, mm-hmm. and document it and systemize it basically. So that's a tip that I can give that I think would be good.
1: Yeah.
2: Are there on that? Actually, I, I've seen some teams like put those things out there as kind of like open source, like the way the teams will have like their design systems kind of be public and people can check them out. I think Intuit, yeah. I saw one have like a good, you know, kind of writing set of guidelines yeah. that you could just go through. Like, do you know of resources like that that maybe would be helpful? So like, you know, a product manager is trying to put together this checklist and it's they don't even know what to put on it. Like, are there good places to look to, to borrow from other teams?
0: Definitely. So... We have another terminology issue here, while Intuit call it a content design system, Mailchimp, which now is the same company as Intuit because Intuit acquired Mailchimp earlier this year. And Mailchimp calls it a content style guide. So if you Google content style guides, like there is this article where we... Uh, collected uh, a list of 16 different content style guides that we've found, such as MailChimp, Monzo, Microsoft, Canada Post, Google. A lot of companies have a, an open source design system, like you've said, JH, and you have a writing branch. So if you go to Shopify, uh, they have Polaris design system, so they have a writing section. Google, as well, in, in their material design uh, design system, they have a writing component so i would go to if i were you and i was looking for inspiration i would go to current open source design systems and see if there is any kind of um, writing branch over there Uh, i would google uh, content style guides uh, and look it up on our blog because i've collected this uh, article. I can also share it with you, and you can put it in the show notes if you want.
1: Yeah, I was going to say we'll stick that in the show notes, so it's easy to find on Google as well. I just did it myself. Cool.
0: Yeah. Cool. Also add the content uh, design system of Intuit because I think this is a very good example. And that's more or less about it.
2: I, a, a question that's maybe more out. i curious to get your thoughts on it. Is it feels like language obviously evolves and changes, right? But it feels like lately this. Sp- the speed of that has like picked up with social media and memes and online jokes and everything. How do you, as a, you know, as a writer kind of keep a pulse on that and realize maybe like, you know, to go back to the bridal example of like people talk about weddings and stuff differently than they did two years ago. Like, so we need to revise some of this to keep up. Like is that something you kind of just do qualitatively by being close to the users or is there like a more structured way? to keep tabs on it? Or is that not a real thing? And I'm just guessing here at a a dynamic that's not actually happening. I think
0: it's a good guess overall. At the end of the day, just like we iterate on user interface forever, basically, we also iterate on the language of the user interface as well. So of course, like being constant with research, seeing if stuff makes sense. We're going to do another iteration of the homepage or another iteration of this user journey anyway, right? So at the same time, we can also see if we could iterate the contents, if it makes more sense, or um, maybe it's a term that people don't use anymore. I, I haven't seen uh, this specific scenario, you know, when, it's, when, you know, in two years, a whole, like, um, thing became outdated, but yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I look at the material of of like our old stuff, the UX writing hub. uh, And then I just like uh, rewrite it. I see that, for example, we said in the past, a lot of stuff regarding content strategy. Remember we talked about like the fact that people use less the word content strategy. So, so we use it less right now. So we iterated on that basically.
2: Yeah, I guess I was thinking of of somebody doing writing for like a NFT or Web3 project or whatever. I feel like that's such the wild west. It's like you're probably changing terms every six months or something.
0: Right, right. And there is a lot of jargon. And, you know, uh, should I explain what DeFi is or should I explain what uh, DAO is? I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, there's
2: so many many terms popping up, yeah.
0: You definitely need to know your users when writing for these kind of uh, apps.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm curious on, on that side, we've talked about sort of, you know, the research up front and different kind of methodologies and ways of working with your product team to do that research. And there's probably a lot of research, the the product team that's doing that you might be able to to steal and, and use for your purposes as a writer as well. What about either pre-launch or kind of, you know, at the prototype stage, do you do any message testing or, you know, before or after any kind of research to validate that this UX writing is quote unquote, you know, working, that it's effective.
0: So you do whatever you can, but basically you have to come up with some content. So a lot of time you can give your designers to write it and you can also say to them, just write what it means. You don't have to write the actual words. Use photocopy, like prototype copy. And then you could do some content audit and uh, improve it based on your mainly your gut feeling, I assume, and basically on based more or less on what you know. Of course, even gut feeling is based on research, in my opinion, because it's based on all of the data that you have in your brain. In your brain, <laughs> yep. And and there's a reason you come up with that solution because even things that we can explain even so more gut feeling. But even when you come up with stuff that is when it's your gut feeling you can still test it in a way. you can still ask for your colleague's opinion, and if it makes sense, like I would recommend that with every piece of writing that you put out there, there's going to be at least two pair of eyes that going through it and give you feedback on it because yeah, it's better than it's better together in this case.
1: Do you ever test the you know a B test one message versus another or anything like that to is that something you recommend for folks to to do to actually validate the copy in cases with users?
0: Yeah, definitely. like if you can, basically mm-hmm. I recommend mm-hmm. to do it mm-hmm. a lot of times you you just can't right, right. like there, there are some really quick wins in content specifically not like in general UX design, but in content specifically, there are some really quick ones. For example, headlines for emails. For example, you can test really quickly. If you have a lot of traffic going on to your homepage, and I don't know, you want to test a copy of a button. Which is really rare, by the way. Most of the time, you don't see people test uh, buttons just like that. But you could do that. Like if you have like millions of people coming to your homepage and you want to test this button, you can have an A version, a B version, and then see what convert better, basically. Also, like yeah, you can use different uh, copy components and see like if you have a button right now and it's like some kind of a registration button to a platform. If you had you can test the word or the sentence, uh, no credit card required, and see if it actually increased the amount of people pressing that button or no. So you can actually test it. I know that there are some companies out there like Booking.com and even Netflix. They have a really cool case study about it. You can head to the show notes. They have a platform named, I think Shakespeare or something else, that helped them to, it's like these AI tools for like really big corporates that automatically do that testing for copy. I know uh, I've heard a case study at Booking.com because they're really big with awards and testing. So uh, they kind of have like this automatic bot that, that plays awards for them and just automatically kind of keeps the one that works better. So if you're a huge company that have like this kind of, you know, tools that they can use, so the more uh, opportunities you ha- you'll have with testing basically, But most companies don't have these resources, so we could just test basic stuff.
1: Yuval, what else should we know about UX writing and research? What what didn't we cover? What should we have asked or didn't ask? Parting thought.
0: All right, so first of all, everyone can and should do research for the words of the digital interface, not necessarily the UX writers. The research people should be mindful for that the designers, the product managers, at the end of the day, it's the way your product is communicated and it's important exactly just like the layout of the user interface, like the way it's designed basically. It's part of the design. UX writing is part of the product design process and it's really important that everyone in the product team would be mindful for it. Okay? And if you don't have a UX writer in your team and you want someone that will be hands on it so you should hire one if you don't have the capacity to do that you should do the research yourself and it's not uh, as hard as you think you can as uh, jared says piggyback on your current research in gen and then just add some uh, content and language related research and it's going to be a small effort that's going to have compounded results that will be fantastic for your experience it for your product and for your business here
2: nice makes sense
1: well thanks for joining us it's been great to have you
2: yes awesome
0: thank you so much for having me i was honored to be here today
1: thanks for listening to awkward silences brought to you by user interviews
2: theme music by fragile gang
1: editing and sound production by carrie boyd